it's just like a, 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 a very scientific approach to reduce uh, waste um, or eliminate waste rather and um, reduce cost at, at, at all costs. Welcome to Manufacturing Happy Hour, the podcast where we get real about the latest trends and technologies impacting modern manufacturers. Manufacturing Happy Hour. Each week, we interview industry experts that are at the top of their craft and give you the tools, tactics and strategies you need to take your career and your business to the next level. And now your host, Chris Lukey. Hey, what's up? Welcome to episode 108. Today, we're discussing how Lean, Industry 4.0, and Supply Chain are interconnected. Our guest this week is Antonio Hill, the head of Manufacturing Digital Solutions Global Supply Chain at Stanley Black & Decker. You no doubt are familiar with Stanley Black & Decker because I'm sure you have at least one of their power tools lying around your house. But we cover a lot more than that in our conversation. And I'm not going to lie, I was really blown away after this episode. This is truly a masterclass in digital transformation and how traditional manufacturing principles and supply chain are such an important part of a true digital transformation. I would highly recommend sending this episode to any operations or supply chain leaders in your organization because I can guarantee they are going to want to hear what Antonio has to say. Now that I've hyped it up, here are three things you can expect from this episode. First, we'll discuss Antonio's unique background that led him to becoming a lean champion and operations supply chain leader. Second, we'll get Antonio's perspectives on Industry 4.0 and digital transformation. These are terms I largely use interchangeably throughout this episode, and we'll also cover the foundational principles you need in place to make these efforts a success. Finally, we'll talk about global supply chain, how it ties in with lean and digital transformation, and of course, we'll talk shop about Stanley Black & Decker. If you want to learn more, as always, you can head to the show notes page at manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 108. That'll take you straight to this episode. And by the way, before we get rolling, I do want to say that Antonio is going to be speaking at the upcoming American Manufacturing Strategies Summit, otherwise known as the AMS Summit. That's taking place October 11th and 12th, 2022 in Houston, Texas. And if any of the topics Antonio covers today strike a chord, well, you might want to consider attending. This is the 13th time this event has been done, and it includes learning tracks such as leadership and workforce development, lean and opex, strategic operations, all of which are full of sessions led by industry leaders like Antonio. If you're curious and want to learn more, head to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash AMS2022. That will take you straight to the conference website, and I should let you know that you can also get a discount on registration by using the code Happy Hour Podcast when you book. One more thing I should add, attending these sessions counts towards professional development credits, so if you're still trying to get some of those before the year is up, this is a great way to do that. Again, head to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash AMS2022 and use the code HAPPYHOURPODCAST to get a discount for the 13th Annual American Manufacturing Strategies Summit. All right, now it's time to jump into the episode. It's time to meet up with our guests to discuss digital transformation, supply chain, and beyond. Antonio, it's great to have you here on Manufacturing Happy Hour. And uh, as we always do when these conversations get started, if we were meeting in person, having this conversation over a drink, where might that be? Paint the picture. Um, for me, it probably would be in Bora Bora. 
as we just are relaxing uh, with our feet in the water with an Americano. So that would be that would be me, my choice. I love it. We're recording this in the morning. You and I both have our coffee, so some Americanos in the morning in Bora Bora. So I want you to ask, answer this first question as if we're having that beverage with one another. How do you describe what the head of manufacturing digital solutions global supply chain does as if you're having Americanos with someone? So I probably would say that uh, providing digital solutions for uh, factory workers and the shop floor uh, and manufacturing to augment and amplify the operators in a way that would achieve um, to remove the cognitive data from their mind and eliminate waste, right? Uh, and for me, I, I think that it would be all the way through uh, the, the global uh, supply chain, right? So um, that's going to be really strategic for us. And, and I'm excited to talk about tried and true approaches to manufacturing, digital tools, supply chain. We're going to get into all these topics in today's conversation. But first, I have to ask you about your background. I want to get to know you a little bit. And, and I'd love to hear a, a bit of a story from you. If you can tell us, you started your career in HR. And then you've told me before that you made the shift to widget manufacturing. So tell us, how do you decide to make that shift? from HR into more of, let's say, the traditional operations of manufacturing world. Right. So um, when I when I went to school, like for my undergrad, um, you know, I, I learned how people make choices. My major was was economics. And so uh, one of the pieces that I was missing uh, was the labor. And for an organization, material and labor are the most expensive thing. So for me, I, I thought, I'd like to understand the labor side a little bit more. So I got a master's in human resource development. And so, you know, into the HR role, you know, somewhat in the back of your mind, you're always curious and intrigued about widget making. And so uh, I soon as getting the opportunity of having a strong understanding from an HR standpoint, uh, I transitioned into uh, making widgets and really, really excited and happy to be in that space and absolutely love it. I mean, manufacturing is, is great, you know, and so it's really how our world is, is, is built and will change over time. So it's very intriguing for me and very interesting. What was the most, this is a two-part question, what was the most exciting part of making that change, being more involved with the manufacturing itself? What was the most challenging part of that as well? So you can answer that um, in whichever order you want. Well, I think for me, um, it's just really changing the way I, I thought, right? Because I, I started from scratch. I started from ground zero. So I had to be a sponge and, and truly understand and comprehend how manufacturing works. I think that a lot of people on the outside have an opinion but until you're there in the mix, it's, it's, it's very difficult to comprehend all the nuances that happen on the manufacturing floor and all the things that impact it. So it's just like uh, we see it from a customer standpoint, you know, because we go and we buy uh, what we want. 
but how did it get there? That transition of all of that work to get that item on the shelf, that part is, um, was really like something where you just had to continue to learn. And, you know, I've, um, had to work with a lot of engineers and I'm not an engineer by major and, uh, that, uh, transition right there was, uh, exciting. I, I worked with, I mean, some exceptional engineers that helped get me on point where in a room, people did not know that I was not an engineer. Right. So, um, but I, I have to give that to, uh, a lot of the people that I worked with. So, so that just made me think of another question, right? If you're getting exposed to and working to a lot of, di a lot of different engineers for the first time, what are some of the strengths that you feel your HR background brought to those scenarios? I think that it's, uh, dealing with people like emotional intelligence, because when you think in a logical way, you know, it, it, it removes a lot of noise, right? You know, you're not thinking of, uh, anything personal, it works or it do not work, sort of speak. You can do this and you cannot do this. And it's pretty, um, cut, cut and dry and clear. And then understanding that there is a gray area, right? And so just comprehending that all, that's where that HR, I mean, you're just dealing with all type of, um, personality types. And that's not only, um, from, you know, just the engineers, you're dealing with people, you know, in quality, you're dealing people in finance, you're dealing with, uh, shop floor workers. Some of them, uh, maybe have a little bit of college. Some of them, you know, don't even have a high school diploma, you know, all people's of walks of life. And so being able to understand and listen to all of them, I think is, uh, have been advantageous for me, not only, uh, in my career, but even in the leadership style that I, uh, I, I try to implement for, uh, the people that's underneath me and the peers and teammates that I, I work with. Yeah. I'm, I'm an engineer by degree myself. I haven't been in an engineering role for a very long time, but yes, it's, it's very, uh, black and white it works or it doesn't and i like that you're able to fill in a lot of those gray areas with your background so to speak that emotional intelligence piece you bring up and appreciating that you know everyone's experiences and backgrounds are going to play to how they manage certain situations and it sounds like you could have been a bit of the glue to help everyone work around that a little bit in those situations so uh, another question, because I'm looking at your, your, some of your earlier roles, you, I, I think your first role was a lean champion with Black & Decker. That was mm -hmm. one of your first major soirees into the operations side, the manufacturing side. And I'm excited to talk to you about, you know, let's say lean manufacturing in this interview, but in, in manufacturing happy hour fashion, let's set a little baseline first. You know, let's say we're having those Americanos in Bora Bora. How do you describe what a lean champion does? What's, what's the easiest way to break it down for those that might be earlier in their career, just getting familiar with some of this? Right. So the, really at, at the base of it, there's a philosophy or it's, it's not even a philosophy. I, I think that it's more of a business practice of lean, right? So understanding what lean is, it's like a way to continuously improve. And I'm, I'm going to just be straight up, you know, and let the elephant in the room, you do this in order to uh, cut costs, right? Like you're trying to simplify 
processes and ultimately uh, decrease the lead time and um, improve the throughput of your of your widgets making. So, so that's that's lean. And so for me in that role and for others that would have that role, they're walking the floor to find anything that they can in order to achieve that. And you know, there's there's more of a step process to do it where it's like, I'm going to take a look at this process. I'm going to record all the steps that this process, you know, like it's just like a, 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 a very scientific approach to reduce uh, waste um, or eliminate waste rather and um, reduce cost at, at, at all costs, so to speak. So uh, that's what I would say really a, a lean champion uh, really explored to do. Well, I love that because that's one of the simplest ways I've heard it described before, a scientific way of reducing waste, reducing costs. So I appreciate all the background you've given us here because I'm excited to dive into, let's say, some of your opinions around manufacturing. And this is something when you and I were talking <laughs> on the phone yesterday, I knew this was going to be a fun part of the conversation, but we live in a world of digital transformation, industry 4.0. What I before we get there, I'd love to ask you, you know, when it comes to manufacturing, even with digitization, what are some of the tried and true approaches in manufacturing that you believe in that you feel are, let's say, baseline things that everyone should be doing? Yeah, I think that understand your process. I think that that is extremely key. Uh, I think that you cannot get away with that. And I think when you think of industry 4.0 and technology is thinking that because we're going to make it digital, everything is going to go away, right? Like it's going to solve all our problems, you know, like it's technology, it's computer. And that's not the case. We still have to understand the process and begin to eliminate some of those items still with some of the scientific methods that, you know, that's normally practiced and lean. And there's no way around that. Like those things will never go away. We can improve on the manner in which we approach them, but complete elimination, it's, it's just not going to happen. And it, it, you could see it in your life, right? Like when you got up this morning and you did all the activities, there's probably a way if it was recorded to go back through and um, probably smooth that out a little bit better and get you started up a, a, a lot quicker than you anticipated. And little things that you didn't even know that you did, you know, if you're there and you're under, understanding exactly what's going on, you can make it better and improve it. And so that's the, that's the thing that I think that a lot of people believe that they can just go in and make the improvements needed without fully comprehending what's going on. And I'm just saying, you know, from a, you know, from an overview, you don't have to know all the intricate details at the same rate. You do need to take the time to try to, um, understand that process. So that, that's, that's what I would say. Sometimes we, and I don't want to say we, because it's, it's never I, <laughs> I'm always going to try to understand just because of my background, but I, I think that a lot of people believe that from an industry 4.0, we have this data and we can't be wrong, right? 
you know, you create, like, even if you think of advanced analytics, you create an algorithm and you have it targeting a certain way, it can be wrong, right? Like you, you truly have to know exactly what you're doing when, uh, facing any process. So that would be my thought and answer a little long winded there, but that would be my response to that question. Well, one of my big takeaways from that was you led that answer with process. You closed that answer with process. And we, th this is a theme on the show quite a bit, right? When we talk digital transformation industry 4.0, we're talking people, processes, and technology. And technology ends up being the tool at the end as our, our mutual friend Jeff Winters has described in, in past episodes as well. Um, and then everything else, um, you know, goes before that, let's say, um, like you kind of described. And maybe I'd love to ask you this, you know, you're at Stanley Black & Decker. How, you know, can you describe how Industry 4.0 impacts the way you do things there, how you've seen it play out maybe from your experience before? Yeah, I think that um, for us within the organization, we we see like, and it's just, Man, I, I'm, I could name woo, so many things, um, and it's more so getting certain insights. I think that complexity within any organization is there and it exists. And being able to have the data to look at, like it, it just it it it's like you know, aha, <laughs> you know, everyone mm -hmm. has that aha moment. When they're mm -hmm. able to see that data and that's what industry 4.0 that's what it gives you it gives you uh just an enormous amount of, of data that you were unaware of and one of the places like for instance on the shop floor that's where there's a lot of hidden data because you have this operator some of the things that they do you know, you, you don't really know that they're doing it right. You know, they just do that action and, you know, it's not recorded anywhere. It's not on a router. It's not. And so when you can have a way in order to capture that digitally and hopefully, you know, automatically, you know, automate that as much as possible. And then you're able to share that, you know, to someone else and say, Hey, what do you think about those numbers? Right. What, what do you think about this? And it, obviously accentuates an opportunity that everyone can jump on. Right. And that's, and that's all functions, right. But it's, I'm, when I, when I think about, uh, and I, maybe that's just from, uh, my view and the role that I play, I'm thinking of all functions. I'm not just focusing on the process engineer. I'm thinking about the product engineer, the data, they could say, you know what? that's really, really challenging to manufacture. Maybe we should go down a couple of thousands, right? On the, on the drawing, uh, in order for that throughput to be increased, right? At, at that particular process. So, I mean, it, it's I'm, not to get, uh, technical, but those are the type of thoughts that happen in the space and what industry 4.0 can do. It can enhance your operation in a way uh, that allows you to take advantage of really, really great opportunities that were not as easily visible from regular operation. So I'd love to give a tip to the audience here a little bit based on your experience, because you've talked about you got to have your processes in place. You talk about there being hidden data on the plant floor. 
Can you reflect on your experience to think about some of the foundational things you needed to do first within your manufacturing operation to make sure you were ready to start leveraging Industry 4.0? Because what I want to make sure our audience avoids is just slapping technology and collecting data for data's sake, but making sure they're doing the right fundamental things first to make sure that the activities they're doing as part of their digital transformation are worthwhile and the right activities. Right. Yeah. I, I think that it all starts with lean, not to be biased here. I think that the having a great lean site that uh, embrace that type of culture uh, is the, it's the, it's the foundation of uh, any digital solution, industry 4.0, anything, even if you were to look at, you know, additive manufacturing as a pillar, it still starts there. You, you have to have this culture of lean and that methodical approach about the way that you do things. And then I think that if I were to put out the warning, it, it, it goes with the question that the way that I answered the question, as far as understanding how all of the pieces go together and that, that comes with having dialogue with the rest of the functions. I'm, I'm sure like, um, I could use many, many examples is, you know, that's what my career has allowed me, uh, of, of being able to touch so many things in the manufacturing floor and like, in different places, right? Different cities different countries. It just, it, it opens your mind up to, uh, what can be, and you, you see it one way at one place, and then you see it at another place and it could be slightly different. And then you, you, you're able to capture that and take that with you and say, Hey, you know, I saw it this way, you know, over here, you know, why don't you try this? Right. And sharing that. Well, with industry 4.0, you can connect those easy. We can see several different ways of doing things simultaneously, so to speak. Right. And so, it, and then compare the data and, and really prove out what that best method is and share that that's, that's the aim that people get, but where they lose is taking the time to truly understand what the end game is. Right. And I, I think that at the bottom line, we're trying to improve and then also, um, reduce uh, improve productivity, reduce costs if it's possible. Right. And I, I think that it's always possible if you're doing the proper thing. So, uh, I think that that would be key. And then obviously the other things of, you know, uh, understanding your facility, you know, understanding, uh, all the way down to the square feet, you know, and the coverage within that facility, if you have Wi-Fi in that facility and, um, coming with governance, right? I think that, you know, you have to mention governance. I think that before you even introduce, uh, a digital solutions within your, uh, organization, start talking about the governance at the very beginning, uh, just have that laid out. So you have those rules and laws in place. So, you know, once you begin, you've already, uh, prepared and did some of the prep work in order to be successful uh, down the road. So governance, a foundation in lean, we talk about being results oriented, keeping an eye on the end game. Great little pragmatic checklist there for the folks listening. 
I want to put another spin on this as well, because in addition to you being a lean champion, I feel like you're also a champion of the operator, a champion of the people out on the plant floor. And and when you talked about this with me yesterday, you were describing that, hey, at the end of the day, ever, everything kind of stops with them. We need to keep those people front and center of these ideas. So can you go into that a little bit more? Can you tell us why that's so important to keep an operator-centric mindset in all of this? Right. Yeah, I can. And thank you for asking that question. I'd love to answer that um, because I believe that everyone needs to have this uh, in the back of their mind. Every single organization that manufactures, every one of them, you can go all the way to the top of the food chain. Um, it only matters at the operator level, the person that makes the widget. That's it. Everyone else that's making those decisions or whatever, they're not as important as the person making the widget. And me, and I, I guess that has a lot to do with where I come from, I had to work with a lot of operators. You know, that was like, you know, first coming in, I'm hearing them speak and you hear their woes. You hear, you know, you know, uh, if you got some very uh, uh, tenured equipment, <laughs> uh, that's uh, probably from like the Civil War. Um, so like some of that old pieces of equipment, you know, they, they have to do certain things and listening to them and making their lives better and improving their lives in order to make that widget should be the top priority of every single organization because they're the ones that matter. They make the widget that you sell. They actually create it, right? It's their hands that touch it. They are truly the makers, right? And so uh, that's the reason why for me, they're, they're front and center. They're the most important part of the organization. Um, in, in my eyes, I, I'm not trying to belittle anyone else's function. I just think that they do play a very key, um, a, a key part in it. Well, I look at the people on the plant floor, the operators there. I mean, you gotta have a strong foundation, right? For everything else to work, you need to make sure those pieces are in play. So no, I, I, I love how you've brought the human aspect of this, uh, into our conversation so much today. One last question on, on this part around our digital transformation type of conversation. What do you feel is something a lot of operation leaders or manufacturing leaders in general miss when it comes to creating a digital transformation plan? I think you've hinted at some of this in this conversation, but maybe a way to put a bow around this so that way our audience avoids any pitfalls when they go through this. All right. Yeah, I think it's looking at the big picture. I think that a lot of times people get laser focused on what they're on and not necessarily taking the holistic approach. And when um, associating that digital solution and it's fine, it's like, okay, cool. We're going to get information for this one machine and we're going to get this one machine operational, right? And we're going to have all of this stuff going. And that's only one part of the process, right? And so where the opportunity is, is take a step back and say, okay, when I get this um, information, what am I going to do with it? Because it's only reporting data, but action is still important. You know, I could give you, you know, um, 
OEE and, and TEEP and every single acronym, every single KPI that you could imagine. The key is, is that, okay, now you know what your KPI is. Now what? Right? Like, it's just like, okay, cool. You know, we, we figured out all of these items. Now what do we do? And I think that's where, that's where the opportunity is, is um, creating a way to, like, for us, I'll, I'll just speak in my role, role. I try to give information where it's actionable. So I'm displaying it in a way where it's actionable. When you see it, you want to do something about it, right? The thing is, is that, and, and this is the next level is, it's okay, the action happens in a, in a, in a digital way, or I don't want to necessarily say in a digital way, but what you can say is, is it is a closed loop and without going full, you know, like AI, you see what I'm saying? Because ultimately that's where we'll head, that's where we'll head. But if you can get as close as you can to that point, I think that that's where that's where the opportunity is, is, is thinking about, okay, first it's like, okay, this is, you know, this is only what, like if you're making orange juice, I'm just gonna make it simple, right? So our, our, our point is to have this juice. And so you start with the orange, do you peel the orange or whatever? And so, but it's gotta go in the cup. So we'll be so focused on squeezing the orange and not taking the consideration of going into the cup and what's gonna make that easy and the translation of all of that juice to the cup all of that matters you know how you transport that sort of thing and so you have to be thinking of all of it you just can't be thinking of one because if you do not then you will have a lot of rework in your process because now you have to go back and you're like well we were only focused on this you know so we let's do this over again so we can think of all of it or, or set it up for this next process. And if you're thinking about that uh, up front, then you can avoid all of that waste, right? Like you're creating waste. I'm, I'm going to say that a lot here in this uh, No, it, <laughs> it, it's a it's a great <laughs> example, right? Like digital transformation is just like making orange juice, right? There's a big picture perspective. There's a lot that goes into it that you need to be thinking about. I'm going to borrow that analogy in the future as well. That's probably going to be something I'm going to pull out of my digital transformation toolbox for years to come. So um, <laughs> this is, we man, we could talk about digital transformation all day long. I have to ask you about supply chain as well, because that's another big part of your... <laughs> your role, you know, how, how has supply chain shaped your global perspective? Right. And then maybe we get into the bits and bites of this a bit more. We'll, we'll start there. Wow. So, um, I, I think that this is the, the real full holistic view, right? So you can think of a view from the manufacturing facility, what they would call, you know, like a, a value stream, uh, and so, you know, within a manufacturing facility, you have a value stream and several value streams throughout it, right? And so a lot of, uh, especially lean practitioners that, you know, get into the space, their value streaming map, their manufacturing facility. Now, when you, when you're like someone like me, 
and I have to do it all in my mind. Like you learn the stuff, like you can do it very quickly, uh, a value stream map for the supply chain, right? All the way through. So now you're not only thinking of the manufacturing facility, you're thinking about the material. Where is it coming from? And then where does that material come from? Like it, 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 it never ends. And then, so you're, you're looking upstream and you're looking downstream and you have that approach. And so now it's the same thing that I was saying, uh, previously about making sure that we cover, uh, all the aspects and think about that next process. Well, that's what we have to do as well in the supply chain is to make sure that it, at least from a digital solution standpoint that we're touching every single place downstream and up mm. to ensure that our lead time is being conquered and that we have the data to be able to tack. And, and that's, that's the, that's the, uh, main objective of every single organization is to simplify that process in a way. So you can be able to make decisions on it. Like, I mean, every organization is just not Stanley Black and Decker. If they're not doing that, then, um, that's an interesting approach to not control all of it. And then e even when you think about it from a lean standpoint, there's a, there's a item called, uh, and, uh, the people in this, uh, podcast probably will, uh, smile if they're, if they're, if they embrace lean. It's a PFEP plan for every part. So you have to have a plan for every part, but it's way deeper. Like you, you have your, you know, it's just like going to school. You got your, your bachelor level, you can get a master's degree. Well, I got to think at a PhD level, right? Like that's what I would say when your supply chain, it's PhD level time, you know, because mm. every single set matters. You know, and I, I, you know, being, I, I think in, in like curves, right. We're, we're always trying to uh, improve the marginal cost and reduce, you know, cost all that we can, right. To improve our business. We want our business to be the best. So that's very, very important. And so if you look at all of it, then you can obviously identify some opportunities that maybe wasn't as visible right with the looking at it but if once you attack and you begin to understand and you begin collecting the data you may see in math form you know and it's it's very I, something just happened here just last week um uh like uh with our team you know you see the numbers and it's like whoa now that is fascinating you know there's an opportunity to improve there where in a place where you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you would least expect an opportunity like that. And it's just like, it's like the Warren Buffett compounding effect. It just, it keeps, it keeps compounding, right? So you're thinking small, but you know, you know, many wins, you know, M-I-N-I, -I, you know, sets you up to have many wins, right? M-A-N-Y. Yeah. And with that thinking, it just builds, right? You know, it's the snow snowball effect and when you can build that type of culture especially with digital um obviously you're going to be able to improve um no matter where you no matter what organization is not only Stanley Black and Decker I'm saying any with that type of culture and mentality 
And so a lot of times that's the supply chain method is that you have to look at all of it. And when I say all of it, I'm not even ending. A lot of people think that we end at the customer. We do not, right? Like the customer, we need a review. We need that information too. That information needs to be digital. Like we're trying to conquer it all, like as much as we possibly can. So it's, um, it's, it's a very fascinating and, and pretty fun job. So. Well, I'm glad we saved supply chain for the end because, you know, planning for every part, you tied in a lot of the things we talked about earlier in the conversation, right? Because when you mentioned, you know, having, let's say, visibility to where you're getting your parts from, right? That's the digital thread. That's digital transformation, in my mind, beyond the four walls of the factory and digital transformation with your supply chain as well. Huge advice. Um, I, I love all this. This has been basically a masterclass in lean and digital transformation and supply chain today. What, obviously, the past two years, we're recording this mid-late 2022, the last two years in supply chain have been a challenge. Um, mm -hmm. What advice would you recommend to those that have supply chain responsibility to keep heads above water and be thinking about how are the ways we can continue to revolutionize our supply chain for the long run, kind of like you described by having that data, be able to keep that bigger picture perspective. What mm -hmm. advice would you have for those listeners? Well, so I would say first that it was the perfect storm. Like it's very difficult and challenging um, to foresee some of the economic um, opportunities that happen here, right? Like, I mean, it was like, this is, it's, it's really new territory, but it's just like, like I said, the perfect storm, right? It, it really is. So many things happen, you know, I mean, I mean, just, I mean, COVID, you know, one word can say, you know, how do you prepare for a pandemic? Like, you know, and so then that pandemic happens and then we're, we're trying to recover um, like here in the States from it, but in the world from that. And then we see supply chain disruption, right? And then, you know, uh, we're reacting to that and thinking and trying to be very uh, intelligent about our choices then for, you know, like things that happen after. So for me, I think that this really is an opportunity to say, this was the perfect storm. We realized that. How would we prevent this in the future, right? And 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 that, that's where you're going to need. It's kind of like we're, we're cleaning it all up. How would you prevent this in the future? And what are those those indicators uh, that we need to to ping off to say, hey, put our eyes on this. This could be concern, right? This could be alarming in in the future. And I think that that is the philosophy and idea, uh, that's happening, um, uh, with everyone. I, at least I hope from a, from a digital standpoint, as far as saying, Hey, we really couldn't avoid, uh, a, a lot of this, right. Uh, cause you, you, I mean, I, <laughs> I, I could name so many things that, uh, I struggle to get, you know, in my personal life. So, you know, everyone's going through it. And at the same rate, it's like, okay, but for us, what um, actions can be completed in order to 
achieve um, where if this were to happen again, we can avoid it. And I think that everyone knows, right? Like, and if they don't, that's where their study should go. And I think that from a, a um, more of a complete control of some of that data is, is what is what's going to have to take place as far as you're, you're looking at certain uh, data, you know, even, you know, you could look at past history from there, but it wouldn't help you in certain circumstances, but having uh, your hand on, on, on the pulse of what's going on all the time and then going around and having the check of that data. And, and I'll give you an analogy to kind of bring home what I'm trying to say. You have some individuals that uh, go and get blood work completed every three months, right? So four mm -hmm. times a year, they're going to get their blood, their blood work um, completed. Why are they doing that, right? They're doing that in order to ensure that they see if there's something wrong, we can take action. This same analogy here is the idea that I'm thinking now. We were forced in order to make sure that we have complete control. We're forced to have that blood work completed every three months because we can't predict the future. We don't know if, if pandemic 2.0 is coming. We, we have no clue. No one can predict the future, you know? So in order for us not to go and try to hire Nostradamus, let's go ahead and create processes where we're getting the right information in order to make the best decision for our organization. And so that would be my advice to all. I love it. It's been incredible learning from your experience today, tying in processes, lean, great, you know, best practices that have been in manufacturing for a long time, mixing that in with digital, tying it into the importance of supply chain. This has been one of the most comprehensive overviews we've got on this topic. Thank you so much for bringing this to the show. You know, let's go back to Bora Bora for a second. I, I feel like our, uh, um, our our Americanos are getting uh, they're getting empty, so we're probably going to need a refill soon. But final question as we take our final sips. Um, I have to ask you, you know, people think of Stanley Black & Decker, power tools, all of that. that. I mean, it's one of the most iconic brands out there. Um, just a fun question. What's one of the coolest parts about working at Stanley Black & Decker? Well, this is, you're going to think this is, a bias statement, right? <laughs> you know, about conversation. I would say it's the people, right? I really would. I would say it's the people like our, we have phenomenal product engineers, let me say, you know, and like really, really awesome. Um, but I would have to say that it's, it's, it's some, we have very, very awesome people that work there with, um, that bring a, a lot of, and, and I, I guess, cause I'm global, I, you know, I'm talking to people all over the world, right? So, you know, and it's just, it's, it's really amazing. So that would be my, the people would be my number one. Uh, number two would be the diversity of products, right? So that to me is, I mean, we got all types of products. So it's, it's, it's really cool to uh, see like those products made. Um, it's, it's a really, really awesome thing. And then obviously to purchase some of those products, like we yeah. definitely are, are big on quality. So, you know, that you're getting a great quality product when it comes from us. So uh, that's the, that's the thing for me. That's, 
really, I'm, I'm trying to think, is there something else that I'm missing bes besides those two? Um, hmm. I mean, cause I, you know, there's certain things that we do, um, uh, and like from a leadership standpoint, uh, it's just a lot of transparency and, and, you know, just, I, I don't know, it's just different. So the people part is probably, I would have to say tip top, right? Like, I mean, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's very, it's very a different approach when, you know, you know, your shared news in the most bare way. And, you know, and then you can just say, oh, you know, I don't really understand that. And then, you know, get someone to explain, you know, what's going on. And so, um, yeah, uh, but the people are, are really great, you know, and I, I yeah. there's some, I, I'm sitting here thinking about all the people that I've encountered within the organization and they're really, really a lot of awesome people that work there. So I, I would have to say the people. I love it. Well, from people to the product engineers, the great product. I've I literally have some Stanley Black and Decker in my literal tool belt. So um, it's you know, <laughs> certainly a brand that's easy to visualize. And I think when I was looking it up, you have an insane number of manufacturing facilities. Like it is no shortage <laughs> of the places that is it upwards of fifty in the U.S. alone? Am I making that up? I thought I saw that somewhere when I was researching. More than that. Um, oh, wow. I don't know. I can't. Um, yeah, we, we got quite a bit, right? We got quite a bit out of, you know, I don't want to get, yeah, it's a lot, right? So, yeah. you know, um, yeah, I mean, we, we have a lot, man. And I'm glad to hear that you have that, uh, our products in your, in your tool belt, you know, that's really important, you know, and hopefully they're just like I said, uh, they're quality items and, uh, so that's really, really cool. That, that made me excited, you know. Um, maybe, maybe this is the right way to end this interview then. If you're looking for the audience out there, if you're looking for someone to take advice on lean manufacturing, digital transformation, supply chain, take it from someone like Antonio that has more than 50 manufacturing facilities and just that the number's <laughs> too big to count. So take the advice from someone that's managing a very large enterprise so hey I, I appreciate you for sticking around for so long today antonio this has been a great conversation thanks for sharing so much wisdom for everyone out there if you want to access anything we talked about show notes page at manufacturinghappyhour.com you can connect with antonio there and with that antonio thanks so much for jumping on today's show thanks for having me Hey, thanks for listening, and a big thanks to Antonio for jumping on today's show. You know, I had no idea how large the manufacturing organization was at Black & Decker. That was truly something that took me by surprise at the end. But like I said, hey, if there's someone to be listening to about digital transformation, it's someone that leads such a massive operation like the one they have over at Stanley Black & Decker. Anyway, if you want to connect with Antonio, if you want to learn more about anything that we talked about, you can head to the show notes page at manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 108. And of course, before we wrap up, I do want to thank our sponsor, the American Manufacturing Strategies Summit. Like I said at the start, that's taking place October 11th and 12th, 2022 in Houston, Texas. And Antonio is just one of the manufacturing all-stars that's going to be speaking at that event. This is the 13th time this event has been done. It includes learning tracks such as leadership and workforce development, lean and OPEX, strategic operations. All of these are led by folks 
like Antonio, people that are leaders in our industry. If you want to learn more about the AMS Summit, you can go to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash AMS 2022. That'll take you straight to the conference website. And by the way, when you register, please make sure to use the code HAPPYHOURPODCAST when you book. That'll get you a discounted ticket price. The regular price is close to $1,500. This'll get you in for $795. Finally, I definitely need to add this. Attending these sessions at this event count towards professional development credit. So if you're still trying to get some of those before the year wraps up, well, hey, this is the spot to do it. So American Manufacturing Strategies Summit, AMS Summit 2022. Head to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash AMS 2022. Use the code HAPPYHOURPODCAST to get a discount when you book, and we'll see you in Houston, Texas. All right, that's it for this week. Thanks so much for sticking around. Stay innovative. Stay thirsty. We'll catch you again next time. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Manufacturing Happy Hour. Powered by the Industrial Network.